Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the Internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show. It is Tuesday, January 29th, 2019. Guys, I'm sorry, but I'm coming in hot and pissed off. Uh, I am your host, Scott Fullerton, and welcome to the Left of Straight Show. Um, we got news today of another high-profile hate crime. We're going to talk about it in just a few minutes. Um, if you'd like to call in and weigh in on it, I am take, opening up the phone lines for the first 15 minutes today, 347-989-0126. Uh, if you call in the next five to 10 minutes, I'll be sure to get, get you on the air. Um, but yeah, I'm a, little, I'm a little fired up about it. So, <clears throat> But we are having a fantastic show just a little bit today. Uh, great show for you. In just a few minutes, I have Ken Arpino and Andre Jordan from the fantastic web series, the Queens Project calling in from New York City, maybe Connecticut. Then in the second hour, I welcome back our buddy and very talented artist Paul Richmond back to the show from Central California. So we're going to have a fun time here in just a few minutes. If you missed yesterday's show, uh, we had the world-famous blogger Perez Hilton on and podcaster and performer Brandon Carmody on. You can check all that out in your favorite podcasting distributors like iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, of course, here at Blog Talk and all that. So please check out the episodes, like them if you can, give us a comment on them, and subscribe if you would be so kindly. If you're not following me on social media, please do. On Twitter and Instagram, it's at Left of Straight, and it's always spelled out wherever we are at. L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight at Left of Straight at Twitter and Instagram. Our Facebook page is The Left Show and my personal uh, Facebook is Scott Fullerton if you want to send me a friend request. So be sure to follow on social media and uh, let's jump into this because I am a little fired up with this. If you haven't heard the news yet, I'm sure everyone has by now, especially if you're in the podcast, um, it broke today that there was a racist and homophobic attack on Empire television show actor Jesse Smollett. Uh, it, was, it happened in the middle of the night in Chicago. He'd arrived there late from New York City. He went to a nearby Subway sandwich shop for a sandwich. And it doesn't show exactly where, if it was uh, right outside or on the walk to or from. But two men then proceeded to attack him. They also have wrapped a rope around his neck and poured an unknown chemical substance on him. There are a lot of allegations, so um, we don't know what yet is true. It has not any of it been confirmed yet. There are allegations such as the attackers were wearing MAGA hats, Make American Great Again hats, um, shouting MAGA sayings like this is MAGA country, that the rope was in a noose. The chemical was bleach. They were supposedly wearing ski masks. None of it, I don't believe, has been confirmed yet. 
by the authorities. So we're waiting for it to be confirmed. But it's just a sad state of affairs of what's happening right now in this politically charged climate um, when leadership from the top is promoting hate and divisiveness and everything else. So I'm really upset about it. I mean, questions running through my head. Were these guys planning on attacking something with ski masks if they were wearing them? Or was it because it was cold? Because I know it's bitter cold here in Northeast Ohio. I'm sure Chicago is cold. So they happened to have the ski masks and thought, hey, we have these. Might as well attack somebody. would have happened if they didn't come across um, Jesse? Were they out there to get anybody they happened to come across? Was it for being a celebrity? Was it for being black? Was it for being gay? Suppose they did both gay and racial slurs. Um, did they know he was going to be there? Supposedly there was some other allegations out there that he had gotten threats earlier in the week. Um, just a lot of questions out there. Uh, one thing I really pisses me off is it's called an alleged or possible hate crime. I mean, we talk about political correct, correctness all the time and offensive wording or statements, but this one really pisses me off. There's nothing alleged about this. He's black. He's gay. Do we think that it could be alleged over a sandwich that he had there by shouting racial and homophobic slurs? Um, We've got to call it what it is. Let the proof come out and let the facts be known. But um, I don't think he was attacked for a sandwich. I don't think he was attacked for a sandwich. I, don't, I think if slurs or not, I think there was, if there was a rope involved, um, I think that this was something planned. So some of the good things, though, there is a report that he did walk himself to the hospital afterwards, which makes me pissed again because was there no one else around? Did the people in the subway, was it close to the subway people saw this and did nothing? Um, man, this has been on the rise lately. I've talked about this on a few shows now over the last uh, five weeks here or so, and I'm not uh, seeing it getting any better. So it's really got my ire up. I'm not happy about it. I'd love to know what you have to say about it. I've made a couple of social media posts about it. Please chime in on your two cents worth. I am going to close the phone lines now. We haven't had anyone call in yet, so I probably will close the phone lines now. But um, let me know how you feel about it. I mean, we have Black History Month starting in just a couple of days. It's always the month of February. Uh, man, just not a good time to be all this stuff happening. No time is a good time, but it's just on the rise and getting too frequent for my happiness here. Um I do have one call in. Let me see if this is one of our guests or anything. Um, we're going to play a quick song here. This is uh, Jay Knight, uh, Time of Our Lives. And I'll come back in just a couple seconds and introduce our guest, or we'll see if we have some more conversation on the Jesse Smollett um, happenings here. This is Left the Straight Show right here on Blog Talk Radio.
back guys that's our good buddy jay knight with time of our lives jay's working on a brand new single and he's going to be on the show in about three weeks here i'm really excited to have my first guest on today ken arpino is the creator writer and co-star of the hit web series the queen's project following the lives and friendships of two gay men pursuing their acting dreams and the family that they've formed around them the third season came out last year, and I'm really hoping we can get squeeze information if there's going to be a season four. We'll soon find out. Also joining us today is Andre Jordan, who plays, of course, Andre on the series, whose character speaks volumes to me on our shared relationship with our mothers. We'll have to go into that later. Please welcome, for the first time you left of Straight Show, Mr. Ken Arpino and Andre Jordan. Welcome, boys. How are we doing today? Great. Thank you for having us. We're fantastic. I am so happy to have you. You guys are welcome on any old time. I am so excited. Um, man, how is everything in beautiful downtown New York today? Chilly. It's very cold. Chilly. Chilly, chilly. Very cool. Well, I want to jump into this. I mean, I've enjoyed all three seasons of The Queen's Project. 
I have to admit, I'm a little Thank late you. to the party. I didn't find out until my friend donated on your um, fundraiser for the Indiegogo for the third season. Oh, nice. And then all of a sudden, uh, I was your a, friend. Thank I you, friend. A, yeah, thank you so yeah, much, there friend. You go. <laughs> I was a binge-watching fool after that, enjoying every second of it. Congratulations on all the success, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, Ken, let's start with you. I always like to talk about um, some beginnings for our newcomers on the show. Tell me a little bit about growing up a Boston boy. What kind of a kid were you, and what got you interested in this business of show that you do so well? Sure. Uh, growing up in Boston was great. Um, big Italian Catholic family. I'm the only one who is uh, pursuing the arts, although uh, I have a family of arts lovers, so that was also great growing up. Um, and I actually got a marketing degree because I knew that I wanted to be a part of the industry, but I didn't know where I fit. And so I kind of just started auditioning with my friends who were actors, and I booked a part, and kind of just the rest became history. Fantastic. And you really do it all. I got bit by the bug. There you go. You you do it all. I mean, I'm going through your reels. I mean, you're acting, singing, writing, producing, improv. Do you have a particular passion that drives you more than the rest, or you just an equal opportunity, go where the money is, and let's not be a starving artist? <laughs> I, I think for me, it's all about storytelling. I love good storytelling. So I feel like, for me, that is the, the jumping point for all of those things, for directing, for producing, for acting, um, for writing. Uh, I just like telling good stories. So, um, yeah, I think that would be my answer, storytelling. Amazing. I love that. And you are a serious joiner. I mean, you are the executive director at Wolfbane Productions. You're a member of a few yeah. improv groups as well, doing the Queen yeah. Project. Talk a little bit about Wolfbane. I love the mission of the organization. You bring talent to the classrooms. Talk about that organization and your role in it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is actually 11th, the 11th season for Wolfbane. Um, I joined about five years ago, and I became the, uh, the uh, executive director three years ago. Um, and uh, we are a nonprofit outdoor theater. We are very experiential-based. Um, we like to take shows that you know and just put a different spin on them and uh, introduce them to an audience um, so that you can either love theater or hate theater, but we're something for everyone. Like even the people who come and say they aren't traditionally theater goers leave enjoying it because again, it's all about storytelling. So as long as you are telling a good story, people can really appreciate whatever medium you're bringing them to. So for Wolfbane, we love to get really um, innovative and like in your face, um, make you feel like part of the story. Every element is important. Like the location is just as big a character as the actors on the stage. Um, so yeah, we love to play with, uh, classics and for example, we're doing, um, the crucible this year, but we're actually building a village in the woods. So the, the guests and it's, there's going to be no microphones. It's going to be done by firelight. So you're really going into Salem village and we want it to be intense because oh that was goodness. a really intense time. And there's a witch burning. I hope so. I like so. <laughs> For some reason, that track is really hard to cast. I don't know. That's weird. <laughs> I, hey, Andre, what are you doing in October? <laughs> I'm actually, like, super free, so, like, maybe I'll come. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Yeah. There you go. Oh, my goodness. I love that. It sounds like a fantastic organization. And you do, like I said, you bring talent in the classrooms. You guys do uh, on-site teaching and different kind of uh, workshops and things? We do. I'm, I'm heartbroken because there's no art funding in, in that area in Virginia. Right. Um, and so we are truly trying to do whatever we can because some of these kids are super talented and they just need a, a space. They just need somewhere they can come and play. So uh, we're happy to be that place. And uh, we've met some really talented kids and some of these kids have gone on already to different colleges to pursue the arts. And um, we're happy to be a part of that and part of their journey. Nice. Let's finish up a little bit about improv. I just think that's the hardest thing in the world for me as an outsider about that. Tell me about the mindset. You're in like two different groups. What makes a good improv actor? Uh, you just got to be in the moment. I don't think you need to be, if, first, if someone's listening who's considering joining an improv troupe, you don't have to be funny. You just have to really live in the moment and be willing to be stupid or look stupid. Um, <laughs> and you're going to fail a lot for sure. But as long as you're having fun and your team is like, supportive it's a great time um i actually only got into improv to help my writing so i was taking sketch at the upright citizens brigade and um you know we were we were trying to come up with different premises and games that you would find like on snl and they you know recommend the best way to do that is to be on your feet and have to have to do it quickly um because their whole mantra and their wi-fi password is don't think (laughs) (laughs) so it's just about like doing (laughs) So uh, it was actually it was uh, improv was actually what was another jumping point for my writing. That's amazing. Yeah. All right, Andre, let's bring you into really this. Uh, share with me where did you grow up? What kind of kid were you, and what you got you interested in the business? Oh me. Okay. Yes, I am originally from uh, South New Jersey. Uh, both of my parents worked in the casinos in Atlantic City, uh, so I grew up right around there. Uh, I went to the American Musical Dramatic Academy, 2005, for musical theater. Um, and that's pretty much, like, what I've been doing uh, as far as uh, the arts and entertainment. And uh, Ken and I actually met on the uh, national tour of Legally Blonde. That was my first tour. I don't think it was Ken's – it was your second, because you did Hairspray before that. Right. Yes. So that was um, – that's how we met each other. Um, so I'm mostly always kind of doing musical theater things. Um, I'm actually right now doing a show um, – at ACT of Connecticut in Ridgefield, for anybody that's listening to this, um, it runs February 15th to March 10th. Um, so I'm in rehearsals right now for that. Um, and what got me into the biz was I, I grew up singing and dancing. I went to church and sang in church. I just sang a lot as a kid. Um, and I loved movie musicals and just have always been in a show pretty much since like middle school after my whole life. So. Very cool. Well, I definitely want to get this. Like I said, you have been in, in some great shows from Mamma Mia to Shrek the Musical. Uh, you talked about um, Act Theater, which is the Contemporary Theater Company of Connecticut. Uh, you're working on uh-huh. working there, one of six actors playing 26 roles. Is that correct? Yes. Talk about what working yes, is correct. all about. Sure. So working is um, a musical by, uh, written by Stephen Schwartz, who also wrote Wicked. He wrote Godspell. And also has music by uh, James Taylor and Hamilton's Lynn Manuel Miranda. Um, so, uh, it's about um, different workers um, in their lives. The original 
piece was taken from a Stud Circle, who was a Chicago journalist. He did a bunch of interviews interviewing American regular blue-collar workers about what their jobs are and, you know, what makes them special and why they got into it and why they're doing it. So it's kind of just we move through those different kind of um, anecdotes and talking about people and what their jobs are and how it affects them, like what countries they came to America looking for a better life and different things like that. Um, so it's going to be a really cool, different experience. They've also taken interviews from people in the town of Richfield and interviewed them. And we've kind of worked their stories into this story to create something that's brand new. That's amazing. I did read about it there, and I saw that. It's kind of cool you're doing like a revisioning of it with a lot of really cool multimedia. I mean, the original got six Tony Awards, so you're working from some great source material there, but it's got to be kind of fun to do the reimagining of it. Yes, um, we have Stephen Schwartz here with us. We had him uh, last week. He's very much a part of this process. Um, and our director, Dan Levine, has a very clear kind of business. He's been working on this for months in order to get us to this place right here. So um, it's very clear, and I think it's going to be a very interesting brand new show. So I'm excited. Congratulations. That sounds fantastic. And when's it going to be? It's Thank going you. to be uh, coming up pretty soon, right? It, yes, we run uh, February 15th to March 10th. If you're listening, you can go to www.actofct.org to get tickets. It's funny, so you can grab them. Andrew just got a raise. <laughs> I think my friend was just there. Didn't they just do um, uh, Mamma Mia at ACT not too long ago? I, was, I think my friend was in that. I was in that. Production. I was in that. Really? Oh, very yes, nice. I, Craig Rams is a so very was, good friend of mine in the show. So Craig Ramsey. Who? Oh, Craig Ramsey. my goodness. I love Craig. We love Craig. Oh, Craig is listening. Well, I'll come to listen to it later. But, like, yes, we love Craig. Craig is a, a great, great guy. He was fantastic here. Yes? That is very cool that you guys work together. I'm going to, we're having him on very soon. He's working now up at the Royal Ballet Company of, uh, up, up in Canada right now. So, yes, uh, I think I'm going to have him on the show to Toronto talk about or if it's somewhere. But yes, I've been seeing a lot of his like pictures and things like that. Because um, he used to he used to do ballet like for, like for a while, which I didn't know back in the it, day. Not to age him or anything, but you know, he looks great for however. Exactly for a big muscle boy, he can bend <laughs> it around pretty good. I have to say, yes. I've seen it in person. <laughs> Too funny. And then I saw I was doing a little um, Facebook stalking. Uh, for you there, Andre, and you are a huge rent head, it looks like for me. Uh, what's both of your opinion? We've had a lot of controversy on rent the other day. What's your guys' thoughts of it? I was very happy, but a lot of people weren't. With, Did you get uh, to see rent? rent? Yeah, rent. Oh, yes. Okay, I, my personal takeaway, I really enjoyed it. Rent is kind of the first time for me. Um, I was a freshman in high school when I first heard it. And that was the first time that like, I, I heard something in musical theater that I was like, oh, I can actually be in this. And there are other contemporary themes. Because up until then, I thought all musical theater was just like the classics, like Annie, Hello, Dolly, Oklahoma. Do you know what I mean? Like the older ones. I, I wasn't um, educated on like the more contemporary kind of things. It, was, I, it just blew my mind. I love Rent. I did it um, about like eight years ago. So it, it's very near to my heart. Um, and I thought that what they presented or what they were able to present that we saw, I think was still great. You know, keep in mind that we did see a dress rehearsal. Um, I just think that it was, there were some beautifully directed moments, great choreography, some really nice standout performances. So overall, I enjoyed myself. 
Yay, okay. Yeah, I, I always wonder from an actor's standpoint, what was, did you happen to see it at all, Ken? I was going to actually say from a producer standpoint, I liked it as well because, um, for example, Wolfane just did Sweeney Todd, and I can't tell you how many people came in and were like, I love the movie, but that was their only exposure to it. Right. So right. it's nice to bring some of these shows to audiences that probably would never have seen them, and then that way when the local theaters do do them, they want to see them because they know it. So I think that they're they're helpful in that way and um obviously i always love to support um artists who work on them behind the scenes and on stage and big shout out to kayala settle who andre and i worked with yes she can do no wrong by me so i loved it there you go fantastic i'm i agree and i'm glad i've had friends of mine that are in the theater um that have gone both ways. Some were a little upset with the word changings. I wasn't upset by that at all. I think everyone agrees the staging was out of this world. I mean, that set was balls. It was just crazy what they could do with it. Uh, One of my good friends was in that show. Uh, Emerson Collins played a lot of the the supporting areas. He was the waiter at the live cafe and Michael and aid support group and everything. So I just really Uh enjoyed it a lot. I'm glad to, to hear another perspective from it. Um, acting professionals I appreciate So that's awesome Let's go ahead I want to get into The web series we're going to take a quick break Though um, speaking of theater we're going to bring On uh, Levi Christ Who's going to be on the show in March This is his so much better When we come back we're talking to Ken Arpino and To um, oh God I forgot your name for a second I'm so sorry about that I, I, oh, I'm blanking okay. on my notes here See what happens, Andre? Andre give me two seconds. I'm at Andre Jordan and Ken Arpino. We're talking all about the great web series, The Queen's Project. Listen to Left the Straight Show right here on Blog Talk Radio. Take an afternoon drive I've been working too hard I want to leave it all behind me Pushing and pulling Yeah, the world keeps spinning around And around But I go with the flow Nobody's going to get me down Just cosmological ecstasy Getting hold of me Get 
Well, talk about the core characters for a minute. Describe them in your own words, how you saw them. What, what's, what's your take on Ash, your character? What's my take on Ash? Um, uh-huh. Ash, Ash loves, I mean, the, what I love about this and the way that I describe their friendship is that they're a fellowship. Um, they will go on any journey together because of their loyalty. I think Ash is strong. I think he's sarcastic. I think he's passionate. Um, he's just lost. And I think that, um, where this came from is actually kind of a little bit of me as well. You know, you spend your life or at least I did chasing this dream or what I thought was a dream. And then it came to a point where I realized that I really did have other passions that I I was really leaning towards. But then it became the, well, if I lean that way, am I giving up on my dream? Did I fail? And it was like, no, I evolved. And it took me a long time. And I would, any younger listener on the show, like it's okay to explore those other passions. It doesn't mean that you're giving up on anything. It doesn't mean that you're failing. You're just, you're evolving and that's okay. It's a human thing to do. So um, Ash is evolving. Ken is evolving. We're all evolving, but that's, that's what I think of Ash. <laughs> I love that. And give us your reader's digest take on Gabe. Gabe. Gabe is a tough one. He's America's teddy bear. Um, a, a very not a squishy one. He's a he's a tough teddy bear, um, but uh, he's incredibly kind-hearted. He's a loyal friend. Um, uh, he's naive, so the boys pick on him. But I mean, he would he would rip apart anybody who tried to do anything to his friends. So that's Gabe. And Nick, number one. <laughs> Nick one. <laughs> sarcastic, dry. He's kind of their Gandalf. That's kind of how I've kind of talked to. Uh, Trey Gerald is a great actor. He's, he plays Nick. Um, and uh, basically, whenever there's trouble, they go to him for help. And um, yeah, he's, he's the one that takes care of them, I think. And our newbie, Trey, how would you describe Trey? Oh, Trey's a cute pie. He, um, He's kind of the straight man. So when the the four, you know, of the fellowship are being crazy and you know, living their highest life, um, he's there to kind of ground them and to keep them all focused. Especially Ash. I think Ash is going to learn a whole lot from Trey. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to I'm excited to play with that relationship. There you go. And Andre, yeah. describe how you would describe Andre. <laughs> uh, I would describe Andre as like he's you know comic relief in that kind of sense, but I like to think of him as like the wise kind of fool almost, um, where you know at face value it might seem just very just silly and whatever, but you know there was a heart that's there. Um, Andre really cares about people, you know what I mean? He cares about his mother very much. He cares about his friends, um, almost to the point of like you know where it's always kind of about them, you know, and he doesn't necessarily have, like, a certain thing that he identifies with that's just, like, his own. Um, so I would say, like, very caregiving and hilarious. Nice. And Ash's arc has kind of gone from best friends with Gabe to smitten after a little hobby crush by Gabe to Gabe <laughs> eventually being smitten back with Ash to now a love triangle. Did you script this from the start? Um, Ken, or is it just kind of, a, does it evolve from season to season with you? I think it evolved. I think it evolved naturally with um, the way that 
the characters needed to grow. Um, you know, I originally wrote them very adamant that they would never be in a relationship because I hated that, like, you know, whenever there's gay characters, they have to have some kind of weird love thing or they have to sleep together, whatever. Um, but then as I was developing the relationship and that these two boys really, really do love each other and they're in a very vulnerable place where they're both kind of teetering on what they want to do with their lives. So it would make sense that because they have this comfort with each other, that they would start to maybe fall into something that's a little bit foreign to them, but comfortable because of their feelings for each other. Um, and it's right. kind of just happened naturally. Very cool. And Andre, like you said, you are a lot of the funny heart of the show. Uh, one of my favorite scenes was the sublet interviews where with you and Greg, if I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah. <laughs> talk yeah, talk right. about your arc from mama's boy to possible independence coming up. Okay. Uh, so like, it's, it's so funny when we talk about the arc of where the, the mom comes in, because in that scene where we're interviewing for the new roommate, we had a block where you know, I think Ken was like, well, you have to leave together, but like make something up. Like, so, and I was like, okay. So in that moment, I made an improv choice to talk about my mother. And like, that's literally how she kind of, it was very much by accident, like bringing her into like the, the world. Like I, it was like maybe like unconscious conscious. I personally do love my mom. I talk about her a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like when it came time to like, he's like, well, make, give yourself a reason to leave or like, you know, come back, whatever. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, we'll do that. My mom. So I, I put that little part in there about her and it just kind of from that little nugget when because I gave myself, you know, then Ken filled in the rest of the piece from there. But it's so interesting that that is what came up because it is like a very important, it's like, I feel like part of me um, and my relationship to my mom and like, yeah. So it was kind of an accident, but a happy accident. And Andrea's real mom is super awesome. So yeah, she is. It kind of like was like easy to be like, oh, Andre needs to have a mother character, someone he can watch RuPaul's Drag Race with, and yes. have a cocktail. <laughs> yeah, we do all I, of those things together. Perfect. <laughs> Are we thinking cameo possibilities in the future, maybe by anybody being the mom? That would be kind of fun. <laughs> Listen, my mom watches. She's watched that so many times. And I get texts all the time about, like, let me know, and I'm ready, and I'll keep you days free. And it's like, hey, mom, you can't do uh, that. So then, like, you got to do it. And so she's, she's down for it. You know what I mean? I love it. Well, let's talk about I know you probably can't talk too much. Let's talk a little bit about the possibility for season four. You ended season three, as always, with a cliffhanger of a kiss between uh we ash and trey um there was a spark between uh ash and gabe let's talk about possibly season four look your your uh crowd your indiegogo campaign was really huge for season three uh and funding yeah. is so hard because there's so many people you have to pay on these damn things even though only like six episodes um what what is your uh What's the possibility of season four? What's your obstacles and what's your, um, your, your good things going into trying to get a season four out of it? Sure. Um, well, we can't officially say what's happening with the future of the show, but what I can say is that the nerds are not done and you should follow TQP series 
on all the medias, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, because we're going to be unleashing all kinds of new content out there um, as we continue to explore where the show is going to go. But we love doing it, and we love spending time with each other. So, I mean, we hope for season four just as much as we get so many messages. Andre, I know you do too. We get so many messages for people being like, you better do more. I need more. Yeah. And so we want it just as much as they do. (laughs) Exactly. We really do. We really do. I love it. Well, it seems that you guys are so good together on on screen, obviously, that it's got to kind of flow a little bit into outside as friendship. And since the other guys weren't able to call in, let's go ahead and spill a little tea. I want each of you to give me just one to three word descriptions of your co-stars. Um, we'll start with you, Ken. <laughs> Give me uh, oh, a couple of words to start, yes. DJ. Yes, 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 yes. The library is open. <laughs> um, there yeah, you a go. BJ a couple words on BJ the, from each of you. BJ is one of the hardest workers I've ever met. That's a true story. Nice. And he's also a that, co-producer as well. Is all the boys a co-producer or just BJ? Um BJ has been on there. So BJ and I are the only two who've been there from the beginning. Um, and so he has been so instrumental in helping us get this, um, get the show moving. Um, but he really does have the same kind of passion and heart that Gabe does. Um, yeah, but he's, he's funny. <laughs> All right. And what's your he's first impressions or three words about him, uh, Andre? Oh, BJ. Um, Think about finding out BJ is I didn't realize like he wears a lot of hats like to that thing that Ken says like BJ knows a lot about not just the, the on camera stuff but he knows tons of things I don't know if that was like before or, like when I kind of launched there but like when I arrived for season two like BJ could have pretty much just like ran the whole thing like he he he's just he knows so much um, about everything that's kind of going on so yes yeah, very very hard worker and extremely knowledgeable and talented. Very cool. And Ken, what about uh, Trey Gerald? Our Nick Trey one. is sassy. I think Trey is hilarious. And his laugh, you can hear. So when we were putting together some of the content for the social media stuff, he, he laughed. And I was like, you have to keep the laugh because it is so endearing. Like, his laugh is very infectious. <laughs> That's what I'll say. I will say Trey Gerald is infectious. <laughs> nice. Take it how you will. Gross. Andre, what's your thoughts on Trey? Oh, yes. Uh, Oh, gosh. Trey, I love Trey. Um, I, like, knew of Trey before. There's certainly a lot of, like, friends in common. The same goes for Chris. Um, But, yes, infectious. Just, like, Martin funny. Like, he, he is Nick. Like, in the, like the essence of, you know, being centered and grounded, um, but very quick, very witty. I really enjoy that. He gives you that like old time, um, what's I'm looking for? I'm looking for an old gay that I can't think off the top of my head. But you know what I mean? Like he would have done great in like, you know what I mean? Like the 1940s and gay. He would have really passed. (laughs) And Ken, what about Chris Wan, um, Nick too? He is just, I love it. I want to squish his cheeks all the time. <laughs> he's just so cute. Like, 
he's just really cute. He's really fun to work with. He's so talented. Like on set, like he was way easier to work with than Andre. Like, (laughs) (laughs) just like a delight. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, No, but he actually was a really great team partner because he is so willing. They all are, but he was so willing to play. And I'm speaking as someone who then, you know, made out with him. (laughs) Like he just made it really easy to like work with him, which I really appreciated. Nice. Andre? And um, I knew I knew Chris. I met Chris before, like a few years ago. Like we were both doing this like side kind of job thing, and we had met each other. And I, you know, he was in the Finding Neverland musical, so I like I I knew of Chris for a very long time. And I don't even think I knew that he was in season two until we, like we got there that day or something. But I was very excited to like finally like get to know him and work with him. Um, and he's just he's just kind. He's just kind. Really, really sweet guy. Um, yeah, and just like super talented. Everyone across the board is so talented. Like Ken really knocked it out of the park. I love that. Like, yeah, what else know, about Ken? Everybody. Oh, um, that's pretty much I'll, I'll have you guys about. talk so about I, each other at the end here. We'll, we'll save each of you guys till the end. Let's finish up. Just okay. let's, let's, what about, I mean, you guys are one of the few people I know that can pull off three seasons worth of, um, <laughs> worth of uh, jokes concerning good old Mike. Um, talk about <laughs> Ian Padgett. How's he to work with? Mike okay, Hunt. Listen. Let's talk about Ian Michael here. Talk about well, Ian Let's to work talk about with. Mike first. Mike Hunt was actually a, someone I went to high school with. I went to school with a Mike Hunt. No. So that's oh, where that came from in my lied. life. I swear to God. So I that has always just that. been in my head. I, when we were kids, I, maybe I was just incredibly naive, but like I never <laughs> got, like it, there was never <laughs> whatever. And then it became funny to me later in life. So, Mike, if you're listening, hello. But Mike Pence is a real person. And then, uh, but Ian is wonderful. <laughs> Ian is really funny. Ian's great. Um, he is not Mike Pence in real life. He's a very he nice not person. No. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. We love Ian. Yeah. Funny. I, I mean, love Ian. I it's hard it's to like make that work for talent. three seasons, that joke, and it's working every time. Uh, Andre, what's your take <laughs> on Ian? Oh, I love Ian, and like I think what's so great about Ian is that like he gets exactly who that character is, even though he is not that person. But like everybody knows someone in the theater that is like a Mike Hunt. and like between Ken's writing of it and like Ian's um, interpretation of it, I think it's just like one of the most it's like perfect. Like it's every time he comes on the screen, I'm rolling my eyes, like I'm so over him, but I also want to like be his best friend. <laughs> like it's like that, you know. I love it. Let's finish up with Tim. I want to talk about, did he came in kind of in the middle of season two? Did you expect from season two, what was going to happen with season three or what, how did, how did that character of Trey come about? Um, And did you plan on it going where it's gone and then talk about Tim for a second, Ken? Um, Tim, we, I, I love Tim and Tim and, um, Trey, Gerald together are hilarious. Um, a lot of the things <laughs> that made them so quirky and where it got nicked to his character today was their relationship. Um, we loved him. Tim moved to LA. We filmed in New York. So it became a, a scheduling thing. Um, but uh, yeah, we loved him. Nice. Uh, Andre, your, your take? Uh, big fan of Tim. Uh, I moved him from, like, originally, like, when you guys first started out, and then he started doing, like, his own kind of YouTube stuff, 
If you don't follow Tim Murray on YouTube or Twitter, you need to because he, and Instagram, all of it. Like also follow TCP Theory, but also you should follow Tim um, because he's also creating a lot of great content um, that is very viral. Like you know, a lot of his things um, get picked up and float around the internet and everything like that. Um, so you know. Yeah, with scheduling with him moving to LA, we kind of had to like can figure out how to kind of make that work. Um, I don't know. I would love to see more of him maybe in the future. I don't know. Everyone deserves a second chance, right? You know. <laughs> oh, oh, are we speaking? Andre. Uh, Andre I need a couch. Yeah. You have a couch on this no. show where he can. <laughs> no, we love Tim, and Tim is one, just like BJ. Tim is one of the hardest workers that I know. Yes. Sorry, guys, my phone got disconnected there. Brief pause. Oh, no problem. We'll have to edit that out later. Um, oh, that's okay. Uh, Andre that's was saying how... terrible things about Tim. That's all you meant. <laughs> there you go. Okay, that's, uh, I'll listen to it in the replay and see what the real story is. Uh, now it's time to go on each other. Uh, Ken, give me your, give me your uh, words about Andre here. Oh. Oh, I love Andre. So Andre and I met doing Legally Blonde, like you said, and we were Nico and Carlos, which is the pool boy and the, if you know the show. Um, and so we, oh, I have to say that was one of the most fun experiences I've had with a person. And that was a lot because of Andre. So when this show came out and there was a perfect character for him that I knew he was going to make better than I could ever write it. Um, it was a no brainer to have him kind of, join us and I'm so glad Andre's with us. Aww, Andre, what about Ken? <laughs> I listen, this is my homely like I love Ken. Like I said, like we met back then. Um we became very, very close. Um and I just always respected uh Ken as a writer. Um I think he's very, very, very smart. Really funny, really smart. Does everything well to the full potential of it. And um I'm just glad that, like, he, like, thought of me, you know what I mean, for, for like, working on this and doing things. Uh, so I love Ken, and I'm super-duper proud of him. Like, he made his Broadway debut. He's writing his ass off. Like, he's running companies, you know what I'm saying? So, like, he deserves everything that he's getting right now, and I know it's all just going to keep coming for him. So I love you, Andre. And if you want to watch the true foolishness, if you want to see Andre and Ken at their rawest, you can check out Skrelt <laughs> on YouTube. So, okay, yeah. and I – tried to write a web series when we're on the road. When you're on the road, okay, touring life is half glamorous, half really not glamorous. And so in that really <laughs> not glamorous time, we were like, let's film something. And so we, I think, what, we just did that on our phones, right? How did we film it was, that? Or a no, digital camera? It, this is back when people still had digital cameras, Ken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, did, we filmed a little web series that followed us throughout various hotels around the country and starring people like Hannah Rose Flumery, who's now on the Hamilton tour, and Nick Rouleau, and Sarah Beth Pfeiffer, and all yes. these amazing people who are everywhere now. Nice. And that was, like, our first, like, little work that we did together. And you could see it on live right now. It's called Skrelt. It's a good, like, it's long. <laughs> it's, like, eight parts. It's foolishness, <laughs> and we love it. <laughs> we love it. We love it. We love it. Oh. It's worth it, though. It's totally worth it. That is fantastic. I am going to be Googling that this evening for sure. Oh, that oh, looks too much fun. <laughs> well, guys, thanks so much was. for taking the time to call in. I love the series. When uh, we find out some definitive answers for season four, if we do some fundraising, we have to have you and the rest of the guys back on, and we will uh, 
spread the word far and wide to make some money to make this happen. Give everyone again where they can follow the series and also where they can follow each of you guys on social media. Sure. So the show is at TQP series on all the platforms. You can also visit www.tqpseries.com. And that's across the board, including uh, YouTube. And then for me, I'm at Ken Arpino on all the medias. And for me, I'm going to be at Manchair5 for my Instagram, M-A-N-C-H-A-I-R-5, Manchair5. That's me. Follow me on Instagram. Well, guys, it's been a pleasure. I can't wait to see where all the relationships go from here. We're going to see what happens between Trey and Ash. We're going to see if uh, you actually get to move out of your mom's house there, Andre. It's going to be exciting (laughs) stuff to see. Looking forward to talking to you again. Stay on the line for me. Guys, we're going to play a couple of songs from our buddy Matt Van Foss. And when we come back, we're going to have artist Paul Richmond from California calling in. You're listening to Left of Straight Show right here on Blog Radio.
righty, we are back. That was our good friend Matt Van Fossen from just over the hill there in good old West Virginia. He's going to be coming and playing our Pride Festival, I believe, here in Warren, Ohio, come this summer. So that's exciting. Guys, my next guest has been a great friend of the show over the years. I'm so happy to have a chance to catch up with him. He's my polar opposite brother from another mother. He started here in Ohio and has moved to California. I started in California and moved here to Ohio. He's an amazing <laughs> artist, and I can't even drive a, drive a stick figure. And he has a wonderful long-term relationship with his husband, Dennis. And we all know I'm single as hell, but we both believe in giving back <laughs> to our LGBT community and our allies. And I can't wait to hear about his latest projects from art to rise to change. Please welcome back to the show, Mr. Paul Richmond. Paul, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you so much. It's great to be back and to get a chance to catch up with you. It's good to catch up. We haven't talked in a while. Like we were talking off air, we stalk each other a bit on social media, but we haven't got to talk in a while. How's everything in beautiful yeah. downtown uh, middle, middle California? <laughs> it's it's wonderful. We really like it here. It's uh, it's really starting to feel like home now. You know, I think it takes a little while for that uh, adjustment, but we've made a lot of good friends and love the the area. So so we we're real happy here. That's amazing. I love it. Um, how long have you guys been there now? Has it been almost two years now? About two and a half. Yep. Wow. Well, I, know. I don't know if you've spoken and to any of your friends or relatives lately, but spoiler alert, tomorrow is a negative one for the high. <laughs> we have the polar vortex oh my coming down on us again. I, well, you know, I Remember? don't know what it was like for you when you moved back when you, or when you moved from here to there, but when we've gone back to visit it during the winter, it feels so much colder <laughs> than what I remember. Doesn't it? I think it's, it's just horrible. because I'm spoiled. <laughs> And I forget that every year since I was born and raised in California. I have a California Uh mindset. So if it looks sunny out in October, even though it's 20 degrees (laughs) out, I still wear shorts because it looks sunny out. So it confuses the heck out of me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad to have you back on, my friend. Um, We've had you on quite a few times in the past, but give a quick uh, Reader's Digest for our new listeners here, tell them a little bit about where you grew up and what got you interested in your art. Sure. Um, so I, uh, actually, my husband and I both lived in Ohio our whole lives. Um, I'm from Columbus and right outside of Columbus. Um, and when I was a little kid, all I wanted to do was draw. Neither of my parents had any kind of artistic background, but they were very supportive and encouraging of me, and they actually connected with a local artist who agreed to start teaching me painting lessons in her studio. So I was doing oil paintings from the time I was four years old and just loved it. I knew that was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, you know, making art, being creative. Um, And that's what I've been doing. So I was very, very lucky to have that kind of encouragement, you know, at such a young age. I think that makes such a, such a big difference. And so I love being able to teach art classes. I do some community art classes out here and working with students of all ages. So there's young people and, and adults too. Um, but a lot of times people just need that little bit of like extra 
encouragement or permission to know that it's okay to be creative. I think we get programmed in our society to, especially for adults, um, to believe that if, if you're not, if you don't think you're going to be perfect at something, you just shouldn't do it. And uh, right. most of the time it just takes practice to improve at any of this stuff. So, you know, I didn't start making like masterpieces when I was three. It took <laughs> a lot of, a lot of years right. of practice. So I always tell my students, you're going to make some ugly stuff for a while, but then if you keep going, it might get better. <laughs> so, there you go. Anyway, that's where it all started. I went to art school in Columbus and I've been doing, doing art ever since I've, I do, um, fine art paintings that I show in galleries and exhibits and different spaces. And then I also do illustration work. I do a lot of book covers. I work with an awesome publishing company called Dream Spinner Press that was really um, the first publisher of gay romantic fiction. And um, we publish a lot of awesome LGBT books now, including like young adults, we have a whole young adult imprint called Harmony Inc. So I'm really involved with all of that. I do the covers and advertising and stuff for the company. I love that. And then my kind of passion project is the You Will Rise, which is an anti-bullying that I started with actually my childhood art teacher, Linda, um, because art was really important in helping me deal with bullying when I was a kid. So that's what our project is all about. We get young people who have been severely affected by bullying and have them express themselves and make art about it and let them know that somebody cares about what they have to say. So that's been a really rewarding thing to, to be a part of too. Well, it's definitely so special that you guys started that and we've talked about it in past shows. I'll go ahead and put links up on it again to listen yeah. to those shows because it's such a great work out of Columbus there and you've been bringing different yeah. parts of it to LA and everything there, but Right. Uh, I think it's amazing work, and I love how you always are giving back, my friend, from your T-shirt foundation you. to Pulse uh, to everything else. You just yeah. really have it in your heart to give back, and it's very appreciative, my friend. Well, I've been very fortunate. A lot of people have done a lot of wonderful things to help me along the way, and I think that um, I think it's important to do that. I mean, especially when you have an opportunity like with the Pulse uh, shirts, you know, that I, I felt just so devastated like everybody that day when I heard the news about it. And I think it probably goes back to my childhood and having art be such a focus for channeling my emotions and everything. I just felt like helpless, but then I thought, well, at least I could do something to, you know, maybe raise some awareness and some money. So we made the t-shirt and sold it and all the money went to the um, victims and their families and it just it felt good to take something so negative and try to do something useful or or I hate I can't even say positive but just you know to do something with that instead of just feeling helpless I guess so that's what I try right. to do and it's the same with bullying you know we always tell the kids like you can't always help the situation that you're in sometimes you are in a classroom or you're in an environment where there are people who are going to treat you wrong and you um, might not be able to change that situation but you always have control over what you do with that information you can either absorb that and let that define you or you can choose to use it as motivation to do something positive for yourself and for the world and, and so since we tell all the kids to to do that I figure I should probably do it myself <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, well said, and I definitely appreciate it. Uh, let's talk about your studio. You talked about your, your space there that you found, Open yeah. Ground Studio. Um, you guys had a great yeah. uh, social media marketing seminar last week for different arts organizations. You co-hosted last yeah. week. How did that go? Oh, it was really fun. I've always loved social media, and um, I because I'm because of the social part, you know, it's a, just for me, it's a way to connect with more people, and that's what I love about it. But but I think it's really daunting to a lot of people and to a lot of artists, especially because they know that it's an important tool for raising awareness about themselves and their work and everything, but then it just feels like it's this big, cumbersome, daunting task to try to manage it and, you know, you figure out the right way to, you know, use it and stuff. So I mostly just tried to focus my part of the presentation on trying to make it a little less scary and, and help people to understand that they don't have to suddenly become this these like executives of their own personal corporations and have all kinds of intense marketing and branding strategies. It's just about what would you say to somebody if they were standing in front of you? Well, that's what you should probably post. You know, it's really taking away the fear of the technology and thinking about the person because it really is just another way of communicating. And that's how I've always used it. I've made some really awesome connections that way with, you know, so many different people and, and, Um, one of the stories that I told at this presentation last week um, is a more recent story that is, I just think, so cool. This young boy, well, high school uh, aged young guy from India wrote to me on Instagram a couple years ago, and he had found my work because I think of some hashtag I used, or maybe it was reposted somewhere, I can't remember, but it was the LGBT themes in my paintings that he and he told me how difficult it was for people you know who identified as lgbt in his community to um just how all the prejudice and everything that they would experience how difficult it is and uh then he actually shared some of his art with me and it was so incredible it was like beyond it, it was so good. It was it was like better than he even knew because he didn't have any kind of like I don't think like the kind of training or anything like he didn't have private classes like I did and everything growing up. He just really right. was naturally brilliant. And so I said, you know, you really should think about applying to come to art school in the U.S. and come come somewhere where you will be free to be yourself and you won't have to worry about that part of it and you can just be creative and learn 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 this techniques learn the techniques and skills that you need to be an artist and not have to worry about the other stuff and uh so i sent him some links and some information about that and about international scholarships and whatever i could find and about a year later i think about a year and a half later he wrote to me again and he said that he had taken my advice and he got a a full scholarship to go to the Art Institute of Chicago, and he's actually there now. So I I love that. That's amazing. It's it's someone I've never met, but we had this really awesome connection because of our social media and shared interests. And um, I actually did a painting of him that was a part of my latest show in November. I had an exhibit called Promised Land, so I asked if I could do a painting of him for the show, and he took some photos of himself and sent them to me. So it's just a neat, he's now a, in school, he's a student in Chicago, and he's loving it and making 
amazing artwork. So to me, that's what social media is. It's a place where you can really have meaningful connections with people if you use it that way. Definitely. That is great. And you use it so well between your newsletters and your, your social platforms. Plus you've teamed up with great partners and worked with uh, RuPaul's World of Wonder on YouTube before. And it's yeah. really about using those social things to make it all, because there's so many platforms to choose from that you really can find one that suits your own needs, right? Oh, absolutely. And the thing that I told every, because I think another common myth is that you have to use them all. <laughs> but what happens, especially for someone who's new at it and kind of feeling overwhelmed anyway, if you have all, if you have profiles on all of the platforms, chances are you're neglecting some <laughs> or most of them maybe. Right, and right. that doesn't do you or anybody any good. It's so much better to just pick, you know, one or two that you, that work really well for you and, and do that. Now I, Love love it all. So I mean, I I actually use a lot of social media platforms myself. But um, for, for there there are many people who are just incredibly effective at just using one or two. Like when I think of my diva share, you just automatically associate her with Twitter now. <laughs> you don't need she doesn't right, need to be right. on Instagram or <laughs> Facebook or anything else because Twitter is what she does. <laughs> you can decide what she's tweeting. <laughs> Now, I don't remember. Have you and Dennis gone to Vegas to see her? We haven't seen her in Vegas, but we have seen her. We actually saw her in Ohio uh, shortly before we moved. So that was I awesome. I remember that. I just wondered if you've made it over to her Vegas show since you guys are semi-close. No, we have not yet. Yeah, I do want to do that for sure. We did go to Vegas and saw a friend of mine who's an awesome share impersonator that was sort of close <laughs> his name's Stephen Wayne <laughs> he's a part go. of the Divas show there I did a painting of him actually it was really fun he was in full if I could turn back time outfit and pretending to kind of put some powder on his face and I photographed him uh, doing that it, it felt very much like if I was able to photograph the real <laughs> the real share there you go I love that and you talked a little bit about earlier, you've had such great collections like your War Paint and Cheesecake Boys and everything. Um, what What's your inspiration for these? How do you decide what kind of a collection you want to do? Where do these things come to you from? You know, all, all different places. I love um, looking at other artists' work, and I don't, you know, go and try to, like, steal ideas, but I'm constantly just looking to see – all of my art heroes and the concepts that they're coming up with. So I think that's one element of it. That sort of everything, I think as an artist or any type of creative person, everything that you see and take in kind of just becomes a part of this big catalog of ideas in your head and it gets swirled around and it turns into something different in there. But, you know, so that, so one source of inspiration is definitely other artists. And then also, you know, issues or, experiences that I have that feel like they need to be dealt with through art. And I think the Cheesecake Boys are a really good example because they kind of function on a couple different levels. It's my, they are uh, my version of the like pinups from the forties and fifties, those uh, pinup girls. Um, I just thought that art was hilarious and silly and fun. So I, I wanted to do a series of male pinups and similar poses. So, you know, on one level, it was my, you know, desire just to do something kind of fun and silly. But then also, on a maybe a little bit deeper level, 
I was thinking about, well, why is it that we've not seen men portrayed that way? And what does that say about our, you know, objectification of women, but not, not men or what, how are we right. like, what are the, what are the gender rules? How are they different? What, what, what makes it sexy for one and not the other or, or whatever. So, you know, I think that was like something that I was kind of thinking about a lot. So making the series and doing the, the pinup was, was a way to think through that and work through it. And I think that a lot of the, the painting series that I do and the projects that I take on, that's a really big factor as well, just kind of processing stuff visually. Um, when Actually, gotcha. when I first came out, right after I graduated from college, um, I did a whole bunch of paintings that were all about that process and the feelings I was having, but I wasn't really out to everybody yet. So I didn't show the paintings to anybody. I kind of painted them and then let them dry and then um, ironically enough, closet. That's and then, uh, <laughs> but then uh, just being able to deal with those things on, on canvas for me is a really powerful way of, working through, you know, difficult, difficult issues. And that's, I think, at the core, a lot of what inspires my work. The Promised Land series, like, that I was just talking about, that was a show I did here in November and December. Um, and it was all about the original idea for that one uh, actually came from this memory that I had from my childhood. My family went to Disney World, and my dad and I were going on the Peter Pan ride, Neverland never or something, and we were flying over Neverland, having this magical little moment. I was like probably four, and then the ride broke, so the everything kind of came to a screeching stop. They had to turn <laughs> the lights on in the place. They brought out ladders to <laughs> so everybody could get down. Oh my and goodness! It was just such a memorable moment because it was like one minute you're in this fantasy and then the next minute it's reality. And so I was thinking about that and my dad passed away uh, a couple years ago. So I'm sure that the, some of that right. was part of the reason, but then just thinking about like moving out here and how our expectations of things can be different than how they end up. And it's not necessarily a positive or negative thing. It's just, you never really know where you're heading until you get there. <laughs> And so Promised Land right. became, it was like, I Promised Land in my head was like this imaginary amusement park. And all of the paintings showed different figures who were either heading to it or leaving from it. And it was about like, in those cases, it was about how did it affect them or was their experience at this park, whatever it was in there version what how did it change them or where are they going next or that kind of thing so i like grabbing onto concepts that really like work well as metaphors for you know a lot of the motions and things that we go through i think it's really just probably like a like a you know musician when they write a song or any any creative person that does anything you really everything you do there's a little bit of a self-portrait in there somewhere gotcha yeah of course Going back to Cheesecake Boys for just a second, I mean, they've become so iconic and popular oh, yeah. so quickly. You made that amazing yeah. coloring book for it. Um, and then you give out yeah. the free coloring pictures <laughs> to continue the series. 
Talk about yeah. um, you've given so many free away now. Are we going to have ever a cheese book color, or coloring book number two, or are you just going to keep giving them away for free? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's a good point. If you give everything away, then why say we're going to buy it? Um, actually, though, that is a, a coloring book started, um, or it happened because I had been doing the free giveaways. Um, I just wanted to make something that I could give to people and have them enjoy it and not have to worry about trying to sell it or market it or anything because, you know, when you're doing that kind of stuff all the time, it's fun to just do something for fun. So really that started just as a Friday. Every Friday I would just sketch out a new one and post it and people could download it. But I don't ever keep the old ones up there. So the only one that is there is the current week's. So somebody that's just coming along that doesn't have all of them yet, um, you know, would still possibly be interested in getting the book. Um, but so <laughs> they, it really did grow in popularity that people all over the world were coloring them and posting them and using the Cheesecake Boys hashtag so that, you know, we could find them and stuff. And then that was enough to let us know that there would be an audience for for making it into a book and uh, adult coloring. It's very popular now. Normally, it's more like mandalas and stuff, (laughs) not necessarily like guys. But, but I figured, why not? Let's just go there. So I, (laughs) the actually Dream Center, the company that I do the book covers for, wanted to publish it, and worked with them to figure out how to get it all put together. And I did use some of the images from the from the giveaways, but I also made some new ones that were just special for the book only. And we had a really fun coloring party in West Hollywood and I've had a few more different venues around since then where we print out the pictures big and put them on the walls and have some live cheesecake boys there and just make it into a whole a whole fun night so yes I would love to do another book maybe some other projects with the cheesecake boys as well there's all there's I they've been going believe it or not for 10 years I've been doing um paint I right. started doing just paintings of them and then it turned into i um, the coloring book, and uh, they've done all kinds of things. They've been uh, there's calendars, there's cards, there's <laughs> they're like marketed all over the place. So actually, now there's even a cross stitching company that licenses some of them, and you can buy like a pattern and cross stitch your own cheesecake boys, and those are quite popular. Oh, that's so. awesome! I didn't know about that. That's so cool. <laughs> Yeah. I and then do me a favor, uh, share that story real quick. You you shared a, a not too long ago about one of your downloads that kind of got a little controversy from the biggest out there, but ended up being one of your most downloaded. Talk about that story for a second, if you could. Oh, yeah. So I do get a fair share of just, you know, people commenting and uh, criticizing the stuff that I put out there because some of it is, you know, very gay or very queer oriented. And, of course, we know there are people out there that don't necessarily appreciate that. Um, but I never I never mind that kind of criticism because it usually – what I've learned, what it usually means is that you are getting your work out there enough that it is actually reaching people. If you're reaching the haters, then you're actually – it's a good thing because it's not just your exactly. friends who are looking. <laughs> so I don't really mind that. I think it actually usually means it's it's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, the Cheesecake Boys coloring book, I saw it's available at Walmart. So you know there's going to be some people who aren't going to be <laughs> into it. But, yeah, <laughs> so there was this one that I did that was um, of a 
gay married couple. And so the, the pinup, the cheesecakes are always, it's like a, some kind of wardrobe malfunction usually is how they're the, the concept for them, just like the old pinup girls who would get their skirts caught on things or whatever. So in this one, right. there was one guy who was standing in the bathroom brushing his teeth and then his husband was coming up behind him and kind of pulling the towel off in a, you know, teasing sort of way. And that one, uh, apparently rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because I was getting a lot of interesting messages about that. And I thought it was really interesting that so many of the free coloring pages I had put out prior to that were just of individual models and nobody seemed to have an issue there. Um, A lot of the same people were coloring those, but then when it became a scene with a gay couple, now suddenly nothing else changed. It wasn't any more, you know, gratuitous or, or whatever than the others. But now that you add that second person, suddenly they were mad. So I just thought that was really interesting. But again, it was, you know, ultimately a good thing because that one ended up being by far the most popular of all the free coloring pages. So, so bring on the controversy. I'm fine with that. <laughs> there you go. I love it. All right, well, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and uh, we'll play a little song. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the newer work you're doing. You have a couple of shows coming up I want to talk about. You did a fantastic uh, portrait of a uh, drag queen in Hawaii. So we're talking to Paul Richmond, amazing artist. We're going to take a quick break, listen to a little bit of uh, Damien Escobar with Awaken. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on Blog Talk Radio.
All righty, we are back. That was Damien Escobar from America's Got Talent with Awaken. Guys, we're talking to artist and advocate Paul Richmond out of California today, originally from my little burg here of uh, Ohio. Um, Paul, I want to talk about a couple of your new projects you have. Um, one of the things I got to see on your newsletter, because like I said, I stalked you in all your social media, is you had a great commission <laughs> for a fantastic picture of a drag queen from Hawaii, Sterling O'Case is, I think, uh, her name. Tell me yeah. how that came about. The colors of that is just amazing. How was that to do? Oh, thank you. Well, she um, had just been following my work online and actually had seen um, paintings that I have done of a few other drag queens. So she knew that was something that I did and that I enjoy doing because you can't ask for an opportunity to paint anything more colorful <laughs> than, than a drag queen. And uh, <laughs> Sterling does an awesome, yeah, he does an awesome share impersonation. That's one of the, one of the things he does. So he sent some photos of that and he also creates his own costumes. So he, you know, I had photos of this really awesome winged kind of costume that he made. Um, and then whenever I do a portrait of anybody, I really like to try to incorporate as many personal things, symbols or just little hints of other, you know, aspects of, of them into the background. So uh, he does like basket weaving and does makes interesting jewelry out of shells. So in the background of the painting, there's kind of this woven sort of pattern that it represents the the weaving and then there's the basket the basket weaving and then there's little shells very colorful kind of floating around in this kind of abstract background so it, it was just really fun and then the dress was super elaborate and sparkly and awesome so that was really fun to paint and I had a blast working on that just just shipped it out to him uh, actually this morning it's on its way to Hawaii I, nice. I love it. Well, I hope people will go to your website and look at it. It is a beautiful piece. I teased a little Thank about you. the intro. Um, you're going to be working with your friend, uh, Bryden Shuren, and you partnered with the Service Learning Institute out at Cal State University, Monterey Bay, for a community art project. Mm -hmm. It's called uh, the Hashtag Rise to Change. It's coming up not too long from here now, February 4th through 8th. What can you tell us about that? Okay, well, I am so excited about this one. Um, I think probably like a lot of people, um, ever since the uh, presidential election in 2016, I just felt very lost for for a while. Things did not go the way I expected, and I suddenly felt like I was in a different country than I than I had the, the day before. <laughs> And so one of the things that has really helped me and helped motivate me and helped give me hope is um, seeing photos uh, and videos and going in person, too, and seeing people marching and protesting and carrying signs with really powerful messages. And then also kind of digging through the pages of history to look at photos of people doing the exact same thing. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, you know, it's, it's both reassuring and also discouraging to know that in some cases it's the same issues <laughs> that we're still, you know, fighting for. We've made like some progress and a few steps forward and a few steps back, but I just felt like 
the messages on these signs that people make that they carry are so powerful and important and wanted to do something to celebrate that and show a, ver a variety of people and causes but that with this kind of common passion for creating change. And so the Service Learning Institute at CSUMB um, was really interested in working with us, and it's also a partnership with our anti-bullying project, You Will Rise, because that's very much about empowering people to use their voices. Um, and so just through the process of kind of talking with them and le learning about what they do and the, their focus on social justice and inspiring young activists to to go out and make things happen. That's kind of how we landed on this concept. And then we went around and photographed 25 people in the community of all different ages, backgrounds, um, and, and they are the models now for, the, for this mural that Bryden and I are going to paint. And so then on social media, people were posting Amazing. their favorite signs using the Rise to Change hashtag. And for anybody that wants to join in and do that, it's the number two. So it's Rise number two change. That's the hashtag. And if you do, it can be a sign that, from, that you've carried or something you photographed or just even a photo that you find online. You can repost it and, and use that tag and then share it with us because all of the messages that we use in the mural, um, or a lot of them, I should say, are coming from those signs that people are posting on social media. So it's a way for, for people anywhere to be a part of this project. And also just to be posting those, those images and sharing them because they deserve to be seen and, and shared. We, I, went, I participated in the Women's March out here, uh, I think it was two, two weeks ago or one week ago, whatever it was. Right. It was so so powerful and inspiring just to be there around, be packed in with all these people and their awesome signs and there's just such an energy to that. And so that's what I'm hoping we can really bring to this project. Um, Bryden is amazing. He ran the art studio that I was a member of in Ohio and he's an awesome artist himself and advocate for especially the transgender community. He's done he made this really powerful, maybe you have seen it actually, he did it, it's a photographic self-portrait and he's nude, but it's kind of, he's sort of covered in, in shadows the way he composed it. But he's standing between two bathroom signs, one that says male and one that says female, and it's oh, sort of asking the question. That. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's him. Powerful. Um, it, okay. Yeah. Definitely, and he does he does a lot of you know work like that, and he's a model, so he is just a great um i think advocate for for that cause and what i what was so powerful about that photo was that to me anyway is that it put a face it's so easy for people who are scared of something or who are you know hate hate a group of people if it's just an abstract concept, they can separate themselves from it and and feel okay with that but when you're looking and you see it's a person and they're looking back at you I feel like it's a lot harder to do that visibility is really important so that's something that I think all artists can really contribute to the conversation right now and that's definitely a big part of what we're thinking about with this rise to change mural so we've taken all the photos now we've got all 25 
models ready and and the messages and we're finalizing the design now. And then on Monday, February 4th, we'll actually start painting it there on on site at CSUMB. And so anybody from around here that is interested is invited to come by and check out the mural in progress as we're working on it. If they want to help, they can. There will be lots of areas where even just if you want to come and paint some big flat solid colors, you can. Anybody that wants to help, we have some groups of school students that are going to come and students from the college and different different groups. So it becomes a real community project. I really like that kind of thing. And then at the end of the week on the on the 8th, on Friday, we'll have a public unveiling of it and invite everybody to come and see the finished mural, especially like the, the 25 people who are depicted in it and their families. It's a kind of a chance to honor them and their contributions to the community and to their different causes. Um, and just for everybody to celebrate the spirit of activism um, that is so important right now. That's really, that's what it's all about. That's amazing. Congratulations. Sounds so cool. I can't wait to see Thank some pictures you. of the it's event. inspiring. It really, I, well, you know, one of the things that actually really made me start to think about this was I was getting so sick of seeing post after post of just the president's face. It seems like every news article and everything that people were <laughs> right. sharing for a while was just his big, stupid face. And so I thought maybe if we can get people posting something like this, and at least it's going to break up my news feed a little bit so I can see something a little more inspiring or motivating instead of just a you know, horrible person. <laughs> Great idea. All right. Well, your job is to get Bryden on my show when he gets happy about back to Ohio. Tell him I want to talk to him. Oh, That'll be great. Yeah. He would be, he would be great. He's, he's an awesome, awesome artist and friends. So I'm excited. This is his first time to come out to visit us here, too. So we're going to have a lot of fun. I can't wait to follow up and see all the pictures from it on social. I want to finally, uh, we have about 15 minutes left. Let's let's finish up. Uh, You're going to be uh, working on a piece. Uh, The Dark Art Emporium in Long Beach, California is having an erotic art show and exhibit uh, titled 12 Inches of Wood. Uh, being held down there. It opens yeah. February 9th, and you're actually contributing to that. Talk about the exhibit yeah, and right. what you've done for it. Okay, I definitely will. That's a fun one. Um, this uh, gallery in Long Beach, they reached out to me because they have this really fun, interesting concept for an exhibit. Um, like you said, it's called 12 Inches of Wood. And so the show is being sponsored by this company that makes wood panels for artists, the company's Trickell Art Supplies, and they do make really awesome panels, these these wooden panels. Now, normally I paint on canvas, but so the whole idea for this show, it is an erotic show, and so it's definitely a play on the, the word wood in many respects, right. <laughs> but they um, provided all their 12 artists and they gave each of us one of the panels from this company. So we each got a 12-inch by 12-inch uh, wooden panel to do our erotic painting on. That was the concept. And so, of course, I couldn't refuse that. That just sounded way too fun. Um, they do a lot of really <laughs> fun, wacky shows at this gallery anyway, so I was excited to get to be a part of that. And normally my work is a little bit it stopped a little short of being super overtly erotic. Like I 
kind of tiptoe the line occasionally with the cheesecake boys, but that's still very kind of playful. It's more a little bit more innocent and campy, I guess. And so I wanted to right. just try to see if I could go really and go into embrace the idea of making a more just overtly erotic painting. So it's really just kind of a close-up of uh, two men, and they're both obviously naked, and you it's a, it's 12 inches of wood. What can I say? <laughs> I'm not sure what words I can nice. say on your show, so I'm being a little <laughs> But uh, it was... <laughs> Um, it was, There's it a was, couple of males in the picture. We'll just leave it at that, right? Not, you don't necessarily <laughs> yeah. see their faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's just say, I, I yes, I tried it. to stay on point with the theme. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It was fun. I got and a question that just kind of popped into my head here. Oh, Go ahead. That? Go ahead. Finish up your, finish uh, your oh, thought first. I was going to say, I left the... <laughs> okay. Um, I love the the wood grain from the panel also kind of plays into the piece. There's just some interesting kind of abstract shapes that are overlaid onto the figures that were inspired by the shapes of the of the wood grain. So it's so it's wood on many many levels. <laughs> I love it. Uh the picture is on your site. It's amazing. Uh, my question yeah. for you is, I just kind of thought, I don't think I've ever asked you about this before, but you do so yeah. many different mediums. Like you said, this is 12 by 12, which seems small to me, and I've seen you've done these large portraits and everything. Do you yeah. write in one scale and then project it onto something to paint, or do you do you actually scale it for each, whatever you're actually um, creating the work on? That's a good question. It depends a lot. Um, my preference is to work larger. I actually find that easier because my I tend to be pretty expressive. I use a lot of like thick paint and sometimes mm-hmm. I'll put it on with a palette knife and you know let the thick paint let it drip and scrape and do all kinds of stuff. So that's harder to do on a 12 inch by 12 inch. <laughs> right, panel. exactly. That's what I was um, thinking, yeah. You have to use these tiny little brushes and that's just that's not my norm. Um, so, but yeah, sometimes what I actually really like to do is um, take the photo references first, and so I'll have people pose for me and get photos of them, and then I do a lot of graphic design work for my day job that we talked about earlier. So for me, Photoshop is a really handy tool for playing around with how to compose the painting, because a lot of times you know what you want to like in this case, I knew what the subject was going to be, but you still want to be able to play around with different placements and how you want the colors to look and the, the how how you're going to crop it and stuff. So where a lot of artists might open a sketchbook and do some little doodles to figure that out, for me, the easiest way is to just throw all the elements into Photoshop and play around with them there. And then once I get something that looks close to what I am envisioning, then I will sketch it onto the canvas and and start painting um, with the either a printout or with the computer sitting right there next to me so I can look over at that you know and kind of compare well, it does awesome. still change a lot from what the original image on the computer screen looks like because as you go through the process then you make other decisions and you decide well maybe I want this color here instead or I want to do this so it's like a juggling act of 
you know, looking, it helps me to have something to look at, but then also knowing I'm not tied to that and I can make any changes that I want as I go along. It's been a, become a really gotcha. good way for me to work. When we do big murals, like what we're doing next week, we'll make a smaller sketch and then we will project that up because it's really difficult to draw something accurately at a super big scale like that. You either, a lot of times right. people will use a grid or different ways to do it, but the easiest for me is just to project it up there. Nice. I, I was just wondering that because I know you have worked in such different scales. That just kind of popped yeah. in my head there. Yeah, Very the cool. bigger the better. I did <laughs> I did my the biggest painting I've ever done <laughs> oil painting for my for this last show and it was oh gosh, how big was it? It was like I think a hundred and eighty inches or something like that. It was a three big canvases that all fit together to make one big uh, painting. It was I couldn't even fit, fit one of the canvases in my car. <laughs> it was not the most oh practical choice, but it was so fun to do. So if any artists are listening, if you're afraid to go big, you should at least try it because it's actually so freeing and I think just really, really fun. I encourage my students to always try to do something on a big scale, even if they end up deciding they want to work small, mostly. You've got you to try. you got to try it. There you go. I love that. I love that we're finishing the interview talking about size and wood and things like that. We're having fun. <laughs> I think I see a theme emerging here. There you go. Oh, my we're goodness. On, I'm going to have to change track. the rating of the show from PG-13 to R all of a sudden. <laughs> Who would have thought I would be the one to do that to you? <laughs> right. Like, people have called me like the gay Mr. Rogers. <laughs> there you go. Well, Paul Richmond, it's been a pleasure and a half to have you back on the show. Thank you so much. We're going to have to try to get you to Palm Springs or get you back soon because you have a lot of big things coming up this year, too. They, we're, tell them where yeah. they can follow you, your website, everything, so they can find out all the cool stuff coming up for you. Definitely. Well, my main website, that's a good place to start because everything is linked from there, all my social media accounts and everything. So it's paulrichmondstudio.com. And then for anybody that wants to find out more about the Rise to Change mural that we're doing out here, um, it's, there's a website for that, too, and that's risetochange.com. And, it's, again, it's the number two, rise2change.com. Um, but if you go onto my website, then it links to my Facebook and YouTube and everything. I, like, I really like YouTube. I think that's been one of my favorite social media outlets because it lets people actually see the creation of the artwork. A lot of times you only get to see, you know, the finished piece that somebody makes or even in my own work, you know, for the longest time I would just wait until a painting was finished and then share that. But now people can actually watch from the big white canvas all the way through to the, to the end of the process. And people are really interested in that. So I don't know. I'm interested in watching other artists videos so it's a it's a great place anybody that wants to learn art techniques go on youtube and just there's hundreds of people out there probably doing any anything you could want to learn how to do and i i sit and watch youtube videos of artists while i'm eating lunch every day or i'll have it on in the background while i'm working because it's still really inspiring to see how other artists do their thing everybody's got their own little their own little way 
So anyhow, yeah, paulrichmanstudio.com to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. I love you, my friend. I can't wait to uh, talk Thanks more and us. hopefully see you in person sometime this year. Thanks for coming yeah, on the show. Stay you. online for me. I'm doing a monthly okay. um, monthly grab bag takeaway for one lucky listener off the website month. You're going to have to hopefully send me over an exclusive Cheesecake Boy picture that I'll put on nice paper and send out oh. with our – Monthly grab bag, if you don't mind. That would be amazing. Yes, we can do that. That would be great. All right. Well, stay on the line for me, my friend. Guys, thanks for tuning in to the Left of Straight Show. We'll be back next week with two all-new episodes next Monday and Tuesday, 2 o'clock Pacific, 5 o'clock Eastern time, right here on Blog Talk Radio. We're going to play out today a little bit of Damien Escobar freedom. Big thank you to Paul Richmond and to the boys from the Queen Project, uh, Queens Project web series out there in New York. Have a great week, everyone. We'll talk to you next week.